And the gods looked down at the earth and they said, hey, is this the last episode or what? What's going on? We're going to do another season of this thing or are we wrapping this up? I don't know. Either way, maybe you got to pray for another season because we're gods. I'm Alex. And the gods said, as there is a beginning, there will be a question mark. <laughs> nice. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about the last episode of season three of American Gods, Tears of, of the Wrath-Bearing Tree. Now, the reason we're hitting so hard on this question mark thing is the ratings have not been great for this show. What? You know, just, you know, not overall falling to about the 100,000 viewer level, which is... I, I heard that everyone who watches the show also listens to our podcast, so that's actually pretty good. I mean, I'll tell you what, just numbers-wise, we're doing a good chunk of the American Gods fan base at this point, which thank you, everybody yeah, listening thank to you. this. Thank we really you. appreciate thank it. Um, this is the last episode of the season. I do feel personally confident they're going to do at least one other season. I don't know what the streaming numbers are like or anything like that. Broadcast doesn't matter as much. Certainly doesn't matter as much to stars. They don't have huge breakaway hits. They're stars. They're, they don't need stars. to worry about numbers. Exactly. They're stars. Um, but we definitely hit, like we talked about a little bit, I think, over the last episode, we hit kind of the end of the book at the end of this episode. Strong. Like, Strong. Yeah, there's a couple more things to go in terms of what happens in the novel, but this ending here with Shadow, with Wednesday, it's a riff on it, but it's the final battle. Like, it's the closure of kind of the entire book. Again, a couple of things to go, certainly some dangling plot lines, but it's going to be interesting to talk about. Um, before we get into the plot, and we should mention, it's probably pretty obvious by now, watch the episode. We're going to be talking about spoilers. We're not going to talk about the whole plot of the show. Uh, essentially, Wednesday is dead. Shadow finds out about it, decides not to kill Laura as revenge, ties himself to a tree, gets sucked into that tree, and by the end of it, Wednesday has disappeared. His body has disappeared, so we're left on, as Justin was saying, very much a question mark there. But before we get into specific plot points, what do you think about this season as a whole and this ending? Uh, if, I, if I may, I want to say this is... a. Uh, uh, a uh, kick in the nuts kind of ending that uh, I'm not coming back for another. There's wow. no way you can convince me to come back what? after that. You, you that don't was awful. know what's going to happen. Pete, that there was, was a awful. whole there was a whole convoy in the middle of this episode. Wait, no, that part was beautiful. Don't okay. you ruin that. No, I'm but saying you ending, love cars. I was surprised. You got I to see so many cars in this episode. It was it was really nice, but that ending was so horrible uh, that uh, you can't you can't do that. You can't come back from that. That's literally what, as a comic book reader, happens every time you read a comic book. They're like, it's not over. Come back next time. Aren't you used to that feeling? No, I was so upset at, like, uh, Shadow Moon for the choices he made and the fact that Wednesday wins. He gets to come back and Shadow Moon dies. It just leaves such a horrible taste in your mouth. And then you find out, oh, who's supposed to be coupled with Shadow Moon for all of time? Lower Moon. Boom. Mm, there's your real issue. Well, Boom. here's the thing, you Pete. I think yourself. I understand your frustration with where it is, but the fact that it's open-ended means there's a lot more story to tell, or they're going to tell more story. So I think you'll have a chance to really um, see this as not an ending. 
I'll, so I'm going to offer this up right at the beginning here. I was going to kind of save this to the end when we were talking about where potentially the series is going. But as I mentioned on the last podcast, I interviewed Ian McShane. I put up that interview uh, on Decider at my day job. But there was one question that I left out because at the end, he was kind of bouncing around what happens in episode 10. I had already seen it by that point. And I said, yeah, actually, I've mm. seen it. He asked me, oh, what was the ending of the episode? Because I'm a producer, but they don't actually tell me which way they went. So I wow. broke it down for him. And his answer to it, I thought was kind of interesting and gets to what you're talking about. Because Pete, I think he's right there with you. And I'll read it off because, again, I didn't print this part. But he says, do they want the last episode to be a white Norse god, a black man sacrifice himself to a white Norse god? I ask you that question. I mean, does that sound like it would be an ending? I'm interested. I mean, that's the ending you got. Mr. Wednesday has got shout out to sacrifice himself. We should go back to the original on Wednesday, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but basically, he says that the last thing he said to me was they can go anywhere from there at the end. So he also feels like over the course of this episode, Shadow makes this choice and he's presented with the choice several times of does he want to accept his father's legacy, Mr. Wednesday, or does he want to go with his people? You have those, I, I think it's slaves in the background, right? Who are yeah. sort of calling yeah. him there, calling to his heritage as a black man in America, and he rejects that and gets that on the horse with Wednesday. Dude. That yeah. was also really rough. He makes the wrong choice. I think very obviously in the show he yeah. makes the wrong choice. A He's tricked by Wednesday, and what Ian Machine is getting at is like, yeah, that's a fucked up choice that he makes, and he makes the wrong one. And at that very last moment, when the tree swallows him, he realizes that he made the wrong choice. Yeah, and I think it just goes to show how deep Wednesday's manipulation has been, yeah. both to Shadow and us as the viewer. Like we that, we buy into all of it. We bought everything, and the fact that you start to see the cracks here, and that's why I think this episode was really well done. You start to see it. Being, everyone being a little more suspicious. Laura's already suspicious, obviously, but everyone's like, ah, hey, Shadow, I don't know. This feels a little weird. Ibis is, like, too cool on the other side. It seems like he's clued in and knows what's happening and is helping facilitate it. Um, and it just, it was just really sad to watch our hero in the last couple of episodes yeah. fade into, like, fully buying into this um, bullshit. That, that fucking scene on the goddamn airplane was so heartbreaking. He, the fucking Wednesday, dude, after somebody sacrifices to you, you're still going to be a douche to them on the airplane. You piece of shit. But that that's was a, awful. He, he sees shadows like, yo, I just straight up duped you. How does it feel? You're going down and I get to jump out. Why are you still sitting in your chair, Shadow Moon? Get up and run out with your dad or push your dad back and you jump out. Like, what are you doing but just it, sitting there? It's like going up to someone who believes in, uh, like, Christianity or something and being like, hey, sorry, it's all garbage. It, they're not going to jump up and be like, oh, yeah, okay, well, and it changed gears. Like, he believed in Wednesday. He believed in the power that Wednesday opened up in him. In the same way, like anyone who's a, a big follower of a religion believes in the power that is opened up in them by that religion. So no, he can't, he can't change. Moon, no, no, don't make excuses for him because he questioned his father for many arcs of this whole journey. But this season is about him buying times in. And said, I'm done with you. Then you're going to just sit there and not fight for yourself at the end like that? I think the you're bigger gonna... thing, though, is it's not actually about Wednesday. It's about Shadow buying his own hype at this point. You know, if yes. you go back to the scene where he's in the hot tub with Landlord Lady, 
Marguerite, I think her actual name is. Yeah. When the landlord lady. Landlord lady. She, he calls down the snow, right? It's seemingly ambiguous, but that's the point where he turns and he realizes, oh, I have this power. I've accepted this power. And he thinks he has this power. Like Wednesday says on the plane, it's a bit of a question mark exactly what he is. He could be a god. He could not be a god. And I think ultimately there's something in there where if there is a fourth season, he could come back on that. But this moment is about Wednesday tricking him, but it's also about him realizing, I made the long choices all across the board. I bought my own hype and thought, no, I'm the new Odin. I'm the new Mr. Wednesday. I'm going to run these gods when Mr. Wednesday was running shit on him the entire time. So that moment of shock on the plane, yes, it's heartbreaking. It's supposed to be heartbreaking. You are there with Shadow where you're like, oop, I got tricked too. Yeah, it's, and I, that's why I thought it was great. And this season was so successful in about, taking the characters from where they were and really putting them into this position where we can be fooled alongside them and be really surprised by this ending. How about the fact that, like, everybody just walked away from the tree and was like, well, Shadow's dead. I mean, so many people died. So many people fought for other people to come back. But then everybody was just like, well, Shadow wanted to be in a tree, so we're just going to leave him here and walk away. I mean, I think that that's because they believed that, like, oh, Wednesday fooled him. And I think some people were aware of what was happening. And others were just like, I mean, he did it. He walked into this willfully. Like, what can we do? Well, and also, if we're talking about Ibis, Chernabog, and Cordelia, all three of them say, don't get on that tree. And then he makes this choice to get on the tree, and the tree eats him. And they realize, all right, well, we told him, don't get on the tree. Pete, it was the same thing when you got on that tree. And we were like, don't climb that tree, Pete. Don't climb that tree. Don't climb that tree. And then you climbed that tree, and you were stuck there. And we were like, well, and we walked away. And then the tree ate you. Yeah. But and like I don't want to say I don't want to you know reopen that trauma. But um, the firemen that eventually pulled you out of that tree were like good friends of yours, and you really bonded with them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was the the Wi Fi at Pete's house, or he just closed his eyes for a second and really let that wash over him. <laughs> I just uh, I'm not going to encourage such a shitty bit, so I'm not going to participate in it's it. Not a bit. I have the pictures of you in that tree in your like jean shorts, obviously, when uh, we were having like a fun frizzy. See if day. you can save it. You know what I mean? Maybe jean shorts will make it fun. Uh, you were wearing not that saving uh, co-ed naked yeah. tree climbing shirt. It's true. I, it's I still have better it. when I you still... do it with wood. That was what it said on the front, right? Checks out. Checks out. Uh, (laughs) Let me ask you, Pete. Now, do you feel like you're not going to come back for the next season because you feel like the Cars story is sort of over? Well, I felt like the Cars were underserved the whole fucking time. And it's the only bright spot. And it was the only reason I came back. And, uh, you know, it wasn't enough. You know, and I, I, I really loved the shots, but it was just too far in between. I do remember, it's interesting to recall this, that you didn't want to do this podcast this season. That's and right. then I said, Pete, Black Betty is a major character in the first couple of episodes. You got sucked right back at him. I did. I did. Pete, what cars do you want to have at your funeral? Obviously, you got to see um, a car. <laughs> oh, yeah, cars exactly. All those three. I want them lined up just like that. Which Great. three cars? Lightning McQueen. Uh, Mater, and oh, who's the third one? Bonnie Hunt's car, whatever her name is, <laughs> or <laughs> Bonnie Hunt, the actress's car. You want her actual car? <laughs> she drives a Toyota. <laughs> 
I I like this season. I I know I was. I feel like I was the biggest detractor at the beginning because I was very iffy about all the changes the cast was going through, and all the behind the scenes drama that was happening. And I think it took them a while to recover from that and figure out what they wanted to say about things. But as it went along, I really liked it quite a bit. It's not the same show that it was in the first season. Definitely not the same show it was in the second season, which was very mixed. But I I like what they did, and I like what they had to say, and I think the place that they ended up, I don't know how you do more than a fourth season of the show necessarily at this point, because they've ran through so much of the book. But I do think there's at least a little bit more to say here and a little bit more to wrap up. Certainly there are some cliffhangers and different teasy things that we could talk about and dance around with the other characters. But like you were saying, Justin, the place that they end up, it hurt. It's hard to watch, but I do think it logically came out of what they followed over the course of the season. And as usual, I thought Ricky Whittle did great work. Ian McShane did great work. All the actors there, the guy who does Ibis was doing a lot of very high uh, notes on words, which I, I enjoyed quite a bit. He yes. kept going, and uh, two things that happened were this and this. Suspicious. Like, Suspicious. Lying. He was lying. Yeah. That's what happens. Uh, let's talk through Wait. some other... Yes, Pete. And so those fucking little... Uh, was that in the book? Those little shitty uh, croissant things were just maggots the whole time? That was the... Just as they were going down the plane, <laughs> they were like, oh, by the way, we just want to close this loop up. Those fucking croissant things were just uh, maggots. Pasties? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, the stuff, the stuff that is pretty much from the book is Shadow tying himself to Yggdrasil. I never pronounced that right. The yeah. world tree and is holding a vigil there. It being a trick of Wednesdays. There's a couple more steps in terms of what Wednesday's plan is, which they start to get into in a surprising way this episode. And I don't want to spoil it if there is a fourth season. Um, but there are there are a couple more twists and turns to go in terms of what happens at the end there. Yeah. But do you really think they'll come back and finish the story? I think so, just because it's a prestige show. It's very expensive, obviously. Yeah. It'd be weird if they just were like, nope, yeah, that's it. Wednesday sort of won. Yeah, but if they don't have the money to come back, you know? I think they do, because I, I don't know what Stars' business model is, but I think... It's more based on subscriptions than anything else, sort of like an HBO or HBO pre HBO max. So as long as they're keeping subscribers because of American gods and keeping them consistently, I don't know if it's a one-to-one in terms of paying for it, but that's what they want out of it. They want people to subscribe to the stars app. And if that's happening, good for them. And at this point they're, they're in so hard on it. The content is more valuable if it's complete to have Mm -hmm. it be something that they can pull in more subscribers with down the line, depending on what happens with all of these networks or whatever. They want to have a complete show to be like, oh, for someone to rediscover uh, later on. Yeah, and I think particularly for fans, if you have that fourth season that really does wrap things up and give it an ending, it's easy for them to say, hey, you got to check out four seasons versus check out these frustrating three seasons that don't end anywhere. Yeah, but I mean, they're the assholes who left it with a kick in the nuts. Like, don't be mad at me for not coming back. You kicked me in the nuts. I didn't kick you in the nuts. You kicked me in the nuts. Oh, this is weird. I'm having a vision of the future from a year from now where we get on Skype 
and I say, hey, American Gods is getting back. And Pete says, no, no way, I'm not doing that. And I say, Pete, there's yeah. some really cool cars in the first episode. And you say, All <laughs> yeah. right, I'm in just for the first one. Plus, at that point, you're, Pete, your nuts are going to be like fresh, back to, <laughs> back to their unkicked selves. Like, you're, you'll be ready to just buckle up for a fun little black ride in Black Betty you, and perhaps oh one my. more little light pat in the old nuts from this. <laughs> you'll still have those tears of the nut bearing tree, but. We'll see what happens. Let's get into some specifics of the episode because we've been talking around the season and what potentially would happen in season four. And there's so many interesting moments that happened here. They really went back to the visual dreamlike quality, I think, of the first season in particular. And that was a clear choice to make it uh, stranger, I think, (laughs) over the course of this. And we kicked off with I I love this first season with Bilquis. I thought all the stuff with Bilquist was interesting that I couldn't quite get a handle on what was going on with her. That was definitely something that felt like it was unfinished. But we got this first scene with the old lady making her eggs, clearly dead. Death comes to pick her up. The eggs look like her eyes. The fridge can't open. And we find out, like Pete was saying, that Bilquis's job is to reunite Laura and Shadow as these two separate halves. Pete, I know you didn't like that. Justin, what did you think about it? I like that because I think what they're going to do, if I had to guess, is they're not in love anymore. But it doesn't mean that they're not soulmates in some capacity. Like, I think what we're seeing is maybe a story where they are still soulmates, but it's not meant to be a romantic relationship. It's meant to be like they need to take care of each other. They are two sides of something and need to be sort of in each other's lives in some capacity. I'll throw something out at you. This is a theory, and I honestly don't remember whether this comes from the book, and I've internalized it and forgotten it. But earlier in the season, Justin, you mentioned the idea that maybe Cordelia is a Valkyrie in some way. What if Laura and Cordelia are Shadow's Valkyries? That Shadow, mm. I, I think clearly he does have some god in him, whether he's a half-god like Hercules or something else, we don't know. But if he really is actually the heir to Odin, he could be building up these Valkyries of his own. Laura could be the primary one. Cordelia clearly has some connection to Shadow that we haven't explored yet, could be a secondary one. And that could buy into what you're saying, where it's not this romantic relationship, it's a supportive relationship. Or let me throw this out at you. Maybe it's a different version of Odin's Ravens, mm-hmm. um, where they are sort of his advisors, his the, the the two presences that keep him straight. I don't know how much of a god he is. It feels like I could also see it that Wednesday was juicing him up with these his snow powers to mm-hmm. make him feel um, to further enmesh him into this plot. Yeah, definitely could see that. But let's talk about Bilquis as well, because over the course of the episode, she finds out about Laura, comes to Laura in a dream about two thirds of the way through the episode, makes out with her and then shows up at her door and says, hey, come on, we got to go. Yeah. What is her function in this story and what do you think is going on between her and Laura? Uh, well, it's go ahead. People. It seemed like uh, the kind of play was maybe Laura can get him from not making the stupid choice on the airplane because you hear Laura Moon on the you know old PA system being like, "Yo, Shadow, what the fuck are you doing? This is a trap, bro." And so, like that, that seemed was the exact like that dialogue, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed it seemed like that was Bilquis's, um And I agree with you, like. 
uh, Alex, I think Bilquis, great character. We got to see her go through a lot this episode. So like, or not this episode, this season. So uh, that's also was disappointing is like, I was hoping for more triumph for Bilquis because like we've been rooting for her and she's been making some great moves. She's the only one doing smart stuff really in this whole season. So like um, it was really hard to see her fall short as well. So I don't think she fell short, though. I think she... Well, when you your plan is to... You're, you're putting your trust in the lower moon, that you're not going to do well. Interesting. But I, I think, Pete, you don't like Laura for what she did in the past. But I think this season, Laura's arc was about reckoning with her past and moving on from it, learning that she's a better person and can can be a better person. So I think going forward, she has gone through this gauntlet and is going to come out being someone that you can root for. If you can get past your um, preconceived notions, consider her like if you if you found a I'll put it in terms you you can enjoy. If you found uh, a clunker at the bottom of a lake, and oh you, pull, you pull you pull already it, I hate you. You pull bring that up. I hate you. I can't hear anything you're saying because you just kicked me in the fucking nuts and brought up a really painful thing. All those cars were dead. There were just, dead people inside those cars. Laura but was like, dead. Laura was dead too. I just oh I just clunked God. you right in the nuts. So you pull oh. the clunker out of the water. You bam, refurbish bam, bam, it. Bam, bam, you bam. refurbish it. You put it back together. You bring the car back to life. You can okay, love that car talking. again, right? Like, how can you hate that that clunker? Why, if you continue to hate that clunker, you're holding a grudge against a perfectly good car. You're the clunker. Ouch. Mm. Now, this is interesting that you bring this up. This reminds me of a story that I really like uh, that I used to read back in the day about the ship of Theseus. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard about this wow. thing. Sorry, wrong ship. Yeah. Wrong ship. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I kind of agree with Pete that I feel like Bilquist became this tool for the plot in a certain way over the course of this episode. <laughs> And I'd like to see more from her. I'd like to see what they want to do with her and what she becomes. Even if actress is great, love the scenes with her, the whole thing where she was astral projecting, pulled back, the candle spills, forms America, tells her where to go. Very neat, fun visual. So I like all this stuff with her, but if there is a fourth season, I need to know where is she going? What is her eventual destination? And then Laura's uh, acid jazz vision that felt like a... Like a prestige softcore pornography show from the late nineties. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Later on in the episode, I was like, "Okay, Red Shoe Diaries. Let's see yeah, where this goes." I don't well, know. how are you supposed to get somebody to wake up in a dream? That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. I've never been woken up by you, Pete. I guess <laughs> <laughs> can't you wait. Never will. So, Bill um, Quist's thing was interesting. I think that's. A, oh, go ahead, Justin. Wait, I so but here's my theory because I agree with you. Like. Bill Quist and Technical Boy, for that matter, didn't get a lot of screen time. There's a lot of plot to get through to get us to this yeah, point. Yeah, but no, Bill, Technical Boy is kind of a douche, so why give him screen time? Oh, hold because on, it, hold on. They're, they're characters serving a big part of the story, I think. It's just their part is has it? become. I, I do, if you let me finish for a second, um, this is where I think we're I going. I think in this next season, they come to prominence because I think what they represent and what we saw in this episode and Bill Quist a little bit earlier in the season is her establishing that she's neither an old god or a new god. She's sort of both. And I think Technical Boy in this episode, sort of we see that as well. And I think what there's what Wednesday's plan is is has been to fool everyone so he can be the most powerful. And he set up this old gods versus new gods thing. Really, they're all gods. They're all serving the same, like, human characteristics or whatever. And I think the way that our side, uh, featuring Bilkus and Technical Boy, is going to win is by 
being aware of Wednesday's plan and being ahead of him. And I think Billquist is already there. She's she is neither old or new god. She is on her own, and her power is stronger when she's outside of that rubric. Same with Technical Boy, and eventually I think same with Shadow. I think the one cool part what that happened in this episode of Technical Boy, or maybe it was the last episode, was the Artifact One, like the buildup of Artifact One, and then it was like the rock that first created fire. Like, that was an awesome moment. Like, that yeah. was really cool. The way they showed that, and not just told, like really showed, like that was, I was really impressed with that. Yeah, but that's what I'm I saying. Mean, I feel like that was meant to be like, look, he's not some like, punk kid who deals with like he seems like a punk kid i know but i think the lesson here that these gods have to learn is like you're all one thing you're all technology humans have worshipped you you're just not you're taking your worship from people on social media or whatever when you can really extend it to everything else it's in it's in their power to find the people that that worship them well, particularly because the show, less this season, but over the course of the season one and season two, has really driven driven home that these gods only exist because of the minds of human beings, you know, that the multiple versions of them can exist. So like you're saying, Justin, if we do eventually get to a thing where it's just, no, we are all one thing, we're all one big pantheon. That's that's a very nice conclusion. <laughs> I mean, we'll see if they actually get there, but I think that would be kind of neat. I did want to talk about Technical Boy a little bit more because I thought these seeds were great. Love seeing him eating the raw data. Oh, that was that gross. Was gross gross yeah. and horrifying the right way. Yeah. Did uh, did make me wonder how that tastes. Oh, I'm just wondering. Dude. I've never eaten tape myself. So, yeah. But I like that it's, scene. I liked him turning the mask back on the drone. I thought that was a really fun moment. And like you were saying, Pete, the Flint thing I thought was great. It's a perfect comic book style retcon there of, no, you're not technical, boy. You're something more. You're super important. Yeah. But it makes a lot of sense. That is the first technology. So tying it back to that, showing yeah, that, that was whole really line, crazy. like you're saying, Pete, I thought that was super fun. I did want to touch on, and I'm sure Justin also knows what's going on here because he read the book as well. Pete, you have not read the book, so I want to get your take on it. Yeah, yeah. We've mentioned that a couple before. You don't have to I'm setting it up in, in case anybody jumps into this podcast for the Jesus first time. Jesus Christ. Yeah, why? Are we rubbing it in? Because it's not that you just haven't read this book. You haven't read any books. Right? <laughs> Only the good book. A.K.A. The Da Vinci Code. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was wondering what book. the good book was going to be. That one could have been... Yeah, it could have been anything. Yeah. It was The Da Vinci anything. Code, though. I That's was, what I went for. And now I'm wondering how dark it. and weird you were going to go with that. Yeah, just The Da Vinci Code. Okay. So we get this moment at the end here after Technical Boy figures out who he is or finds out who he is, thanks to Mr. World, uh, tells him that it's a symptotum. He forgets his origin every time technology progresses in some way. Uh, and the same thing is going to happen when they launch this shard, social media, internet, whatever it is. Horrible name. Uh, and Technical Boy shouts at him, who are you? Who are you? Mr. World says, this isn't the age of technology. It's the age of manipulation. Trickery is what I do best and wanders off whistling. What do you think is going on there, Pete? That's the that's the two magicians fighting. That what we saw right from the beginning. Like that's the other the other guy. So you think Mr. Rawls is the other magician? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. It, it is interesting. Hmm. I didn't expect you to say that. Um, I did think they missed a, I mean, I, I guess, do we not want to say what we 
maybe know this. To I be. don't know because it is a big spoiler if you haven't read the book. But I would to- also say I do think we would guess this even if we had I w- sure. hadn't. Um, Tell you what, if you are listening to this podcast, you don't know what, no spoilers for potential season four, turn it off for like the next two to three minutes. And Justin, go ahead. Um, well, I mean, uh, I actually don't remember exactly what happened in the book. So I, that's why I wanted to qualify this. But like, he, it's a, it's Loki Anansi vibes right there. Like he's the trickster god. Um, and he's been working with Odin the whole time. Yeah, he's Loki. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, I mean, that goes back to the very first episode we met. And we talked about this in the first season, that it's so tough to do. Well, that's why it keeps changing. That makes sense. Yeah. There's this thing that you feel so dumb that you don't pick up on in the book immediately, or at least most people, I certainly didn't. But there's a character who Shadow meets in jail who is named Low-Key Lysmith. And you read it, and you read it in the book, but if you don't say it out loud, you don't quite get it until the end when they reveal, oh, yeah, he was Loki, and he was working with Mr. Wednesday the entire time. They're clearly doing a riff on that. It doesn't happen exactly like this in the book, but that's what they're getting at here, that it's this two-hand con job the entire time. Um, And that's where they're getting to, and I assume that's what we get to in season four. Uh, Yeah, and if um, there's a season I did. Wow. Pete really casting it out. Um, I do think um, they missed a huge opportunity early on in the episode when they're like, uh, Mr. World, you don't recognize me. How did they not have one of the other uh, Mr. Worlds pop up or Miss World pop up at that point? Like the, the whole I, I feel like that takes ownership all of all the casting weirdness yeah. in a way that I thought would have been really fun. And they just it was just Crispin Glover in the mirror. I was like, oh, come on. man!" Right. I did. <laughs> I did like that because that was tipping their hand a little bit, him saying, uh, sometimes I just don't like my face or whatever the line was, which definitely ties into there and lets you know Mr. World is not who we think he is. Uh, but like you're saying, yes, that explains the face changing a little bit, or at least retcons it in a certain way. Still didn't totally work for me, honestly, but yeah. um, at least there's an excuse there. So that's Technical Boy. Lots of other stuff going on in the episode that we should probably touch on. Uh, let's talk about Laura's arc, just because we touched on that a little bit. Pete, I know you didn't like it. Justin, what was your take? Uh, I like it. I think she is sort of has a lot of the godlike powers here, uh, I feel like. She's the one who knowledge is driving her, and she's the only one that sort of was ahead of the curve and obviously had a shadow this whole time. So, like, I, I throughout the season, I thought her arc was great. She really got to to Pete's sort of frustrations. I feel like she fought through that and, and came out the other side, realizing that she loved um, Mad Sweeney and regretting that she won't ever get back with him because he is gone. I thought, you know, I thought we were going to see him again um, because of the coin and all that. And the fact that she let him go and actually loved him, I thought was great. Because then now she's but- not just someone who's like loves Shadow and trying is trying to get back with him or whatever. Feels like she owes him. She's someone totally new now. Yeah, that's what the part that's upsetting is like they found this really cool relationship. Like her and uh, the Leprechaun were great together. And it's like... That was really just to clarify like this, which leprechaun. There are actually two leprechauns on the show. You know what the tall one? That's uh, you know, Mad Sweeney. Mad Sweeney, yeah, Not Liam's. Yeah, so, we don't know. There might be more leprechauns. There, there could be leprechauns everywhere. Every other yeah, character but, could be a leprechaun. We just don't know. 
Mm-hmm. That's true. But I, I feel like they really <laughs> found a great relationship. And the fact that, like, they're forcing, like, Laura and Shadow back together, it just doesn't seem um, right or, like, like a, a good move or rewarding for the viewer or reader at all. I mean, I think it's... I. They're not getting back together, I don't think. I think in this episode, there's no, absolutely no romance there. Laura was like, I'm trying to help you because I care for you. And Shadow was like, no, I'm a god now. I don't need this. And he spares her life, but she's like, don't listen to any of this. Just look at me and listen and let's work this out. And he, it's just not just, just not there. Yeah, I, I also like the arc. And I thought particularly in this episode, it was interesting how they cut through a lot of the nonsense in a certain way. You know, you could see Laura hiding under the table, finding out about everything. They could have had this whole search for her and that could have been the plot of the episode, but nope, they got right to it, said, revealed everything, put all the cards on the table. Nobody was playing around anything and uh, leading to this moment that you were talking about, Justin, where shadow ultimately decides not to kill her, despite the fact that Chernobog is blood hungry, in this episode and they push past it and they get to a new place. And I I appreciated that. I am very curious to see, like we've been talking about what happens next with her, particularly now that she's teamed up with Bilquis, but just in this episode alone and over the course of the season, I thought Emily Browning did a great job. Laura was a good character. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I thought, you know, just to be clear, like I think the, uh, uh, the actor who uh, played her did an amazing job and like made a lot of great choices that I thought was awesome. I just was like, I don't know. I just felt like it was a little not rewarding or whatever to root for her in a way that I wanted. I wanted her to find happiness in a different area because like of the, the rockiness it's like, it's hard to be like, Oh, these two are soulmates. Well, why did they hate each other? Why did they put each other through such, if you're really the person that you care most about. And it was like, you know, at different times, different people like different people more and like shadow. She had to like follow shadow because that was her, literally her light and her way back, which, you know, is, is interesting and, and, and fun choice. But like, I don't know. Um, I did think the Chernobog stuff also was rough because, like, Chernobog, at certain points, you like the character. There's some real heart there. He's amazingly played by the actor. But then the part where Chernobog was like, well, I'm going to kill you, Shadow Moon, uh, was just heartbreaking for horrible reason. Then Shadow Moon's like, well, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to get hammered to death. So now I have to go on the tree. It was just, it was tough to see the some of the characters turn on each other at the end when you were hoping people would uh, come together more. Chernobog just wants to hit somebody with his hammer. That's my big hope for him in season four, that he gets closure to his arc where we got the setup of, he wants to kill somebody with his hammer. By the end of the show, we need to see him kill somebody with his hammer. And he wants to hook up with um, front desk people at your local hotel as well. Mm-hmm. Well, he has for extra towels. Yeah. That's, that's what that means. The, that's the most uh, sensual pickup line you'll ever hear. <laughs> We certainly touched on Shadow quite a bit and talked about him, but that was obviously the big arc of the episode, getting to see him uh, get prepared by the Nords, hooked up to the tree. We saw various visions from throughout the series. We got to see yeah, the flaming the buffalo. buffalo. Came back. You yeah, love the buffalo, yeah. Pete? Yeah. Love the buffalo. Here's the thing. I think Shadow should have known that something was up the minute those people cleaned him that well. No one's mm-hmm. going to bathe you like that unless they're going to kill you. That's yes. how it works. This yeah. is true. 
This is why yeah. I only happy well, my I, children so that they know that they're safe. Yeah, I mean, as soon right. as you walk up to a building and then three creepy people come out who all talk the same and start doing ritual shit, you should run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The team that cleans me every morning, I always have them leave a couple <laughs> spots uncleaned so that I know that it's like, all right, I'm not clean yet, so don't take the me The team? To, the team, yeah. The, my Did squad. Get, is it like, uh, you know, like coming to America situation? Uh, the team, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that. Or is uh, it more hoses and like, you know. Yeah, it's, it's sort of hose prison style. It's uh, okay, right, okay, there's uh, Sarah, TJ, um, Big Tom. That's that's sort of the main part of the team. And they bring in specialists every now and again. The funny part I've seen the work before. Big Tom is actually kind of a short guy. That's the very tiny. He gets in the crevices. Uh, that's yeah. where he gets. Uh, yeah, he cleans between the toes. That's what I meant by crevice. Yeah, thank oh, you, Alex. Mm-hmm. That's the only crevice you could mean. So I think we've covered Shadow's storyline in this episode pretty well. Uh, there's probably go ahead, Justin. I was going to say we sort of have. Like I feel like yeah. this is about we we are we're pulled away. We're in Shadow's head for so much of this series, and in this episode, we're pulled out a little bit to so we can see him taking on this god role that he thinks he has, but he's he's being tricked and he's been tricked, and we only we don't get to see it until until he does, which I yeah. think is yeah, great. You got it. You got to make it snow more than one time before you think you're a god. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: it snows a lot, especially up where I live. So it's like I could say, like, "Oh, I made it Another snow." Another buffalo shot out. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, close to it. Uh, and people know this, but if you go to a strip club, you just throw out the dollar bills. That's making it rain. But if you take it and you rip them up into tiny little pieces, that's called making it snow. Yes, and that gets you kicked out pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Before we start to wrap up here for the episode and for the season, any other moments that either of you guys want to call out from the episode? The shot of the three cars was really nice. I mean, mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed. Like, any time, I don't want to say any time because the Clarkers were just so fucking heartbreaking, but any time uh, they did take care and shot the cars really well. I mean, it was nice. I like to think the cars were coming together for their own little car funeral for all the clunkers that sunk this. Uh, I this was series. hoping for something like that, but man. Yeah. No, I think it's clear that the expectation was to see a car funeral for cars. Oh, Definitely. That's a so normal moving. thing to explain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. one thing I want to shout out is never press the tooth button when you're on a plane because that's when the yeah. teeth drop. Yeah. That was an interesting moment to me just because that was a shout out to Tear who got killed a couple of episodes back. So is he still around as well? Was Wednesday bringing back Tear, or was this just a bunch of visuals from over the course of the season that Shadow has dealt with? I think Justin knows this because he's uh, flown in first class numerous times. But there's a lot of different options and a lot of different buttons up there that you can push Mm -hmm. for stuff, and you'd be surprised. Yeah, there's one button you press, and then um, your team of cleaners come out, and they clean you right there on the plane. (laughs) It's expensive because you got to pay. Big Tom doesn't Mm -hmm. ever get a whole seat to himself because he's so tiny, obviously. But um, it's still expensive. All the crevices, Mr. Tyler? (laughs) Why, yes, Big Tom. And then I flip him a little tooth. Nice. Uh, Let's wrap this up here and talk about who was worthy of your worship, not just in this episode, but over the course of the season. Pete, you want to go first? Uh, Sure. Uh, Of the three options, that seems good. Black Betty. (laughs) All day. Er day. Wow. 
10 episodes of a TV show and you're still going with the car. That's amazing. Justin, what about you? Do you have a choice of who was most worthy of your worship? It's a tough call for this season. A lot of great performances. Um, really like Bilquis in the season, but and we've already talked about it. I'm going to give it up for Laura, uh, Laura Moon. I thought her arc was was really well done just from a writing standpoint and the way it was paced out and the way we really got to ride along with her as she sort of got better was great. I'm going to give it up for Shadow Moon, actually, over the course of the season. I th- What are you Hold talking on. about? You chose a car, man. Yeah. <laughs> Which was smart on my yeah. part. I love how sure. gassed up Black Betty was. I love how the seatbelts were fully operational. Dude, you, you mm-hmm. said riding along. Shadow you can't has, ride along without Black Betty, so... Shadow has spent two seasons so far being frustrated and rejecting his heritage and just playing a very similar mode, I think, for the 20 episodes, 16 episodes, however many they were before this one. And then this one, we really got to see him as an actor stretch himself in different directions and, like we talked about, kind of play the romantic lead, be goofy at points, yes. and ultimately play these really heartbreaking moments in this last episode here. It's been exciting to see him play these different modes, and I respect Ricky Whittle as an actor much more after the season, um, so I gotta give it up for him. Sorry, I know you're anti-Shadow at this point, Pete, but I'm pro hey, shadow. He, he got duped. And you did not get duped because you tuned into our podcast. And we really appreciate that so much over the course of the season. Shout out to everybody who has listened in the various places that we post it. Uh, there's been some great discussions, in particular in the YouTube comments that I've enjoyed seeing and jumping into. So thank you Aww. to everybody who was watching and listening to the podcast over there, as well as iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. Everywhere you, we post you choose. it. And this is the last episode, but of course, if there is a season four, we definitely will be back. We'll see if Pete is there. I'm definitely going to trick him. Classic Mr. World move on my part. Trickery is what I do best, and we'll have Pete back for the fourth season. In the meantime... Alex, uh, real quick, though, I know we can talk about this um, in the off-season, but like, if Pete doesn't make it back, we could just get an actual car to just uh, (laughs) beep and boop um, here Mm -hmm. instead. Hey, what did you think of Shadow's storyline of this episode? Beep, beep. Ooh, car, you loved it. Great. (laughs) Yeah, we'll invite the clunker, which is basically (sighs) Pete anyway. It's too soon. How how would you feel if we replaced you with a a clunker? As long as I get to work the horn and the car, and if it could be my car, that'd be great. I would love it. If you like to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out, even in the off-season. We would love to chat with you about American Gods. As mentioned, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice on iTunes. Leave us a comment and rate it. We really appreciate that quite a bit. At a Godcast on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, keep on worshiping, folks. Great season, right, car? Beep, beep, beep. 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 <laughs> oh, three cars. <laughs> 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 <laughs>